SCP-7545, The Dying of the Wolf The O5 Council of the SCP Foundation is a unique bunch in almost any canon featuring them. They pretty much run one of the most powerful organizations on the planet, and are often anomalous themselves, with the most common aspect usually being their longevity. These are individuals that likely can relate to very, very few other people in the world, other than each other, so it's not surprising that some of them would bond with others on the Council. SCP-7545 features the relationship between two friends on the Council, 051 and 0511, in the wake of one of their deaths. His life was complicated, as was their friendship, but death is never an easy thing to tackle. I'll note that this article takes place within the Red Tape canon, although knowledge of any of the other articles is not necessary. Let's begin. SCP-7545 is Sanctum-11, an underground bunker complex owned by O511 from 1919 up until his death in 1998. As sanctums are built as extended, safe work and living spaces for overseers and their staff members, it contains extensive accommodations for long-term occupation by up to 40 personnel. SCP-7545-A, on the other hand, is the collective designation for four biological machines, genetically identical and visually similar to the late O511, currently inhabiting the Sanctum. We're given a transcript of a phone call that occurred between O51 and O511 on April 30th, 1998. O51 picks up the phone and asks who it is, but is met with only heavy breathing. He tells the person that this is a secure government line, and would strongly recommend that they hang up. O511, however, lets out a dry, hacking cough, and says that they're not people, they're little more than automata of flesh, conditional machines. O51 asks him what he's talking about, and if he's alright, as they haven't heard from him in a long time. O511's voice rises and he says to remember it, that they're failures, facsimiles of him, half-remembrances. O51 again asks what he means and where he is. O511 tells him to come to the Sanctum to see for himself, and ends the call by saying that he's been a good friend. Immediately following this conversation, O51 dispatched MTF Alpha 1, Red Right Hand, to Sanctum 11 in order to ascertain O511's condition. Upon arrival, three fire teams overrode the security protocols and automatic defenses, gaining entrance into the Sanctum. Despite containing enough living space for dozens of staff members and guards, the vast majority of the Sanctum was abandoned and littered with objects of disparate make and function. The teams quickly moved through and secured the facility, finding O511 within his private living space and study on the third sublevel. He was pronounced dead on arrival by Alpha-1 medics, who requested and received authorization from Overwatch Command 
to secure O511's body and transport it to the nearest site. In the process, they encountered four of the 7545-A instances within the apartment, and instead moved to secure the anomalies. Upon confirming that they were non-hostile, O51 arrived three hours later to evaluate the situation. He ordered that he be the one to interview the entities, along with assisting in the cataloging of the contents of the Sanctum. We're then given a variety of logs related to O511, starting with a statement from the chairman of the Ethics Committee when they were informed of his death. They stated that he was a horrid man, and that even though it's not kind to speak ill of the dead, they believe that once you commit enough atrocities in life, you lose the right to a peaceful death. If there's anyone on earth that qualifies for that dubious achievement, it was Benjamin. We're then told of an overseer edict from 1890, in which O511 arranged for the government of the United States to relocate the native tribes encroaching on the western containment facility. Their claim to the land has been deemed of secondary importance to the security of the facility and the continued operation of the Foundation. Back to 1998, where O51 enters the impromptu holding area for one of the entities, a small, well-furnished storage room. The shelves are lined with World War II-era machine guns, grenades, and equipment. Similarly to the rest of the Sanctum, it is clean, but still coated in a thick layer of dust. Ten operators from one of the Alpha-1 fire teams line the walls of the room, with their weapons drawn, while the entity stands in the center of the room, still and unmoving, its eyes unfocused. It appears visually identical to the late O511 in his last appearances. O51 calls out to it by calling it Eleven, but when it doesn't respond, he calls it Ben instead. The entity then greets him by his first name, Django, and says that it's never met him before, but it recognizes him. It finds memories of him on the beaches of Gallipoli, water choked with bodies. Memories of him sitting on the opposite end of the table during council meetings. Memories of the both of them, here with their staff, and says that he was important to him. O51 says that it is not Benjamin, to which it says it isn't, and he asks what it is then, like a clone or a revenant. The entity says that it doesn't know what it is, but it came into this world with his memories and the first of its own is that disappointed stare. O51 sighs and says that he knows what it is, a homunculus, an artificial man. O511 always had an interest in alchemy, often speaking about his desire to find the great concepts such as the magnum opus, the prima materia, and in its case, Naden, a method of preserving the soul after death. The entity says that it was meant to be his holder of memories, an empty vessel to fill with whatever he chose. O51 replies that that's a cruel existence, and he's sorry for what little it's worth. He told him not to pursue it, but the entity finishes his sentence and says that 
he never had much care for ethical concerns. That's why 051 stopped talking to him. 051 replies that that's not true, but realizes that if it's saying that, that means that 0511 thought that was the case, and he swears. After a pause, he admits that this is unsettling, as it looks just like 0511, and it's as though he's talking to him, but not. The entity replies that it is the only one that does, as it was his last. The others are like it, but they are failures, more so than it. They were not completed correctly, providing a snapshot into a moment of his life, rather than the whole picture. A vessel that he tried to pour more memories into than would fit. 051 says that if it contains all of his memories, up until the moment of his death, why was it a failure to him? The entity doesn't know, however, and thinks that he was looking for something more than the sum of his experiences, and it simply did not have it. 051 says that he'll have to talk to the others then, but asks what happened to 0511. In the past few years, he retreated entirely from the rest of the council, would send his secretary to meetings, and never came to Site 01 or Overwatch anymore. The entity replies that it contains his memories, but cannot tell him his thought process behind the decision, as it lacks such insight. After a pause, it suggests that perhaps that's why it's such a failure, and asks what will happen to them. 051 tells it that he's not sure yet, as he'll need to speak with the rest before he makes a decision. The entity replies that that's understandable, but warns him that not all of them are as ambivalent about or aware of their nature as it is. We're then given another Ethics Committee edict from 1977 regarding SCP-5549, a D-Class turned anomaly after the Foundation extensively applied other anomalies to them through Project London Bridge. 0511 was responsible for authorizing it behind the others' backs, so the Ethics Committee rules that for egregious and excessive ethics violations in the treatment of 5549, and in the course of Project London Bridge, 0511 is placed on administrative leave for a period of no less than two years. It's the opinion of the committee that the judgments made by 0511 were motivated by a desire to weaponize anomalies for Foundation use, rather than in the greater interests of the Foundation. While this in and of itself is a significant ethical violation, it is noteworthy to point out that the Foundation has done so prior to the 1920 restructuring. 0511's violation was doing this through institutional support and protection of a baseless project rather than through official channels, and with the consent of the rest of the Council. His decisions resulted in the deaths of several dozen Foundation staff, and the creation of a dangerous anomaly extremely hostile to the Foundation. While the Ethics Committee does not have the power to permanently remove members of the Council, they urgently recommend that the Administrator reconsider 0511's station in light of recent events, as there is blood on his hands. Next we're told of a U.S. Army Field Promotion Order from 1863, 
congratulating Benjamin for taking command of his regiment when his superior officer was struck down in the line of battle, and leading a successful charge to protect a civilian from massacre by enemy forces. For this, he was awarded the Medal of Honor for gallantry in combat, and promoted to First Lieutenant of the 15th New Hampshire Volunteer Infantry Regiment, signed by President Abraham Lincoln. In the present, 051 steps into the holding area for the second homunculus, a private library containing two levels of mahogany shelves filled with books. A small fireplace, long since sealed, lies before a chair and small table, with the entity seated in the chair. It is younger, but still clearly reminiscent of 0511, appearing to be in his early 50s. Alpha-1 guards block the exits, and the entity turns as 051 enters, breaking out into a wide smile. It yells for Django, and leaps out of the armchair, causing the guards to begin to raise their guns before being waved down by 051. He sticks his hand out, but the entity pulls him into a hug. It asks how long it's been, and if he's still holed up in Switzerland where 051 occupied a secondary stronghold for much of the late 1940s. 051 hesitates, but says yes, that he's just working with the United Nations to try and ensure the fledgling organization isn't too hostile to them. The two sit, and 051 asks if there's anything it would like to share with him, causing the entity to look at him strangely and ask what he means. 051 brushes it aside, and instead asks if it remembers what they covered in the last council meeting. The entity replies that they're overdue for another session, but they chartered a dedicated medical site, proceeded through some generic containment decisions, and there were a few discussions on the occult coalition talks in Rome, but it doesn't expect it to become anything significant. With that many cooks in the kitchen, it suspects it'll be yet another organization paralyzed by politics. 051 replies that he's not so sure, as it could end up being a major player. The entity says that he's the one there, so it'll defer to him. As for it, it'll believe it when it sees it, but remarks that 051 didn't come all this way just to chit-chat. 051 responds that he's been feeling philosophical lately, with future goals on his mind. The world is changing, and the Foundation is at a crossroads. He wanted to speak with it about where it imagines the organization going. It replies that that's a big question, but it does have an answer. It's never been quite happy with their administrator's hesitance to utilize the treasures they're sitting on. It says that 051 met the man, so it's sure that he came to the same conclusion that it did about him, that he's not quite human. Those eyes carry the weight of centuries, and although he puts up a good front, his mask is imperfect. He misses mannerisms that other people don't even think about, and his mind works differently. At first, it assumed that he was just a mage of some kind, but that's not it. 051 says that the administrator's every action is restrained, like he has to hold himself back, which the entity agrees with. He clearly has his own interests at play, but they seem to align with humanities for the most part, 
so it's fine to defer to his judgment, but that doesn't mean it has to be happy about it. 051 hopes that that doesn't mean that it's going to do anything rash, and after some hesitation it says that it's nothing serious, just a few projects classified under code phrase Thaumiel, and he won't mind. 051 tells it that it knows why they don't use anomalies, but the entity replies that it doesn't agree with it. It, meaning 0511, has been alive for nearly a hundred years, and it looks like it's not even half that. They have objects that can produce endless food, they could have intervened and ended the wars that racked the world for a century, the ones both of them fought and lost friends and family in. How can they look at the incredible power they have and justify not taking action? 051 simply replies that there are risks to which it says to spare at the diatribe, as they've been friends too long for that. It knows the risks, that's why it's not advocating for dropping the veil. These are just its little rebellions. 051 says to be careful that they don't turn into anything more, as no one wants to see the outcome of that, and what would happen to it. The entity remarks that 051 is behaving very strangely today, and asks if he knows something that it doesn't. 051 replies that, unfortunately, the answer to that is always yes, causing the entity to laugh. It then says that it just wants to change things around here for the better a bit, and asks if that's so much to ask. 051 tells it that it isn't, and that it's admirable even. He begins to say something else, but cuts himself off, and tells it that he has to go. The entity tells him to go with God and 051 leaves. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. In a memo from 0511's office from 1963, he states how disappointed he is in Director Conway, as his understanding when he hired him was that he was a visionary. Visionaries are what define the future of their organization. Strong men doing what needs to be done seeing the whole board when most people can barely look at a square or two beyond. 0511 says that he can now, however, tell that that is not true, as Conway's vision is still utterly limited by the prejudices and biases of the old world. The Foundation has the unique ability to exist without having to conform to society's idiosyncratic bigotries, and their mission is too important to compromise because he's too much of an insecure, spineless buffoon to realize that someone's skin color has no bearing on their ability to do the job, and probably better than he can, frankly. He tells Conway to drop the racial hiring embargo at his site and onboard Miss Jones, or he'll fly down and make him. Next, we're given an excerpt from a debriefing for Operation Tangier Cut in 1969. Per 0511's orders, all suspected GRUP infiltrators were covertly detained 
by internal security agents in a simultaneous action across eight sites and involving nearly 39 personnel. When possible, persons of interest were brought to on-site interrogation units and exposed to both anomalous and mundane interrogation performed by atypical persuasion unit personnel. 21 of the 39 detainees confessed to being GRUP deep cover agents, and in accordance with 0511's standing orders, since this accounts for over half the number of detainees, all 39 of them have been terminated to reduce the Foundation's risk factor. 051 enters the room where the third homunculus is being held, an observation room inside of the Sanctum. It has a two-way mirror that looks out over the snowy wastes, and outside a snowstorm rages, limiting visibility. The inside of the room, however, is warm, and the entity stands a few feet from the glass wall. It is physically the same as the last one, perhaps slightly older, but has a wearier atmosphere. 051 calls it Eleven upon entry, but the entity says to not patronize it, as it does not labor under the same delusions the others do. It is acutely, inextricably aware that it is not the man it was created from. 051 replies that that's good, as it's nice to speak on open terms, and asks how far its memories go back. The entity says that it couldn't say, as it has no frame of reference, so 051 asks it if it remembers the last time they spoke. The entity recalls that it was at Overwatch Command in Antarctica, September 4th, 1994. He had voiced concerns over the ongoing absence of the administrator, and it developed into an argument. 051 tries to say that it wasn't an argument, but the entity says that 0511 thought it was. He thought that 051 was making excuses for him, because he was bitter that the administrator played favorites, and that he had been placed on sabbatical after Project London Bridge went awry. 051 argues that that was his own fault, as he had tried to warn him, but the homunculus says that he didn't, and he can lie to himself, but not to it. 051 replies that maybe he could have pushed him to stop, but 0511 predated him on the council by 50 years. Even though he was 051, they are all equals, but the entity tells him not to be disingenuous, as the position of 051 has always been first among equals. 051 pauses, and asks if it's saying that 0511 was jealous of him. The entity says that no, he simply felt that 051 was unfit to be the leader of the council, however informal that position was. As his friend, he had seen him at his worst and lower, and it tainted his view of 051. He resented the administrator for appointing him and then vanishing. 051 replies that he had no idea about this, and the entity says that he was a bitter man and tried his best to keep it under wraps, but it ate away at him. It got to where he couldn't stand to be around the rest of the council, but he still cared about the Foundation and more importantly, he still cared about 051. He loved him, and hated him, and hated himself for hating him. 051 begins to say that he retreated here to a lifestyle of being a hermit in a mountain fortress when he should have just talked to him, 
but the entity cuts him off, stating that it is not 0511. 051 apologizes, and says that he just wishes he knew all of this when he was still here. He asks when 0511 started to feel this way, as they were close once, and then he started drifting away. The entity responds that it started when the rest of the council voted to censure him after Project London Bridge. He was thrown out of the organization he had given lifetimes to, so it poisoned him. 051 says that he thought his sabbatical did him well, to which the entity says of course he did. 0511 didn't want to lose the only friend he had left on the council, and for all his grand achievements, integrating the foundation, playing an instrumental role in the restructuring, essentially manning applied force, he was a sad, sad man, obsessed with saving the world. 051 remarks that he never really understood 0511's fixation on weaponizing anomalies. He saw the occult wars, so how could he think that using anomalies would cause less death and destruction? The entity replies that that's because 051 is as limited as he's always been. He came into the foundation from the sixth occult war, so that informed his perspective. 0511's perspective, however, was a century prior, where disease slaughtered more than the war did, where entire armies were massacred. They were both soldiers, but 051 came from trench warfare and machine guns, while 0511 came from cavalry and muskets. 051 still doesn't see the difference, so the entity yells that it was never about using anomalies, it was about the foundation. When 051 joined the Foundation, his first thought was, My god, how fortunate we were that more of these horrors weren't unleashed on the battlefields of Verdun and the Somme and Gallipoli. 0511, however, fought in the Civil War, where the anomalous theater was incredibly, incredibly limited, so his first thought after joining the Foundation was, My god, we could have stopped all of this before it began. 051 says that he never considered that, and pauses, before asking if they were friends, and if he ever had anything he wanted to tell him, any regrets. The entity tightens its jaw, and turns toward the glass again, gazing out into the snowstorm. Its face is impassive, as it says, no, no regrets. We're then given a communication from the administrator to 0511 from 1976. In it, he says that it's been quite some time, and he hopes that he's well. Despite recent events, he wants him to know that he has no hard feelings towards him, and he's not even sure if he's capable of holding grudges anymore. 0511 made a mistake, an egregious, ugly, incomprehensibly large mistake perhaps, but a mistake nonetheless. He did not seek to undermine the organization, only bring it back to a time when he thought it was stronger and more effective in its mission. 0511 was wrong, needless to say, and the only reason his removal from the council is temporary is because the administrator sincerely believes that he has failed to understand how the foundation has evolved. 
The Foundation has cycles, ebbs and flows, periods where the use of anomalies is encouraged, and periods where it is discouraged. When he began the organization two centuries ago, they were a loose confederation of alchemists, mages, and scholars trying to understand and use the anomalous to protect humanity. That is the foundation 0511 came into. After the restructuring and the Great War, things changed. There was a strong sentiment that the foundation should not get involved in these mundane wars, even if they trickled into the occult world. That is the foundation they are in now, with scientists and researchers more interested in containment than use. He understands that this doesn't sit well with 0511, but he doesn't care. He is a relic of an older time, much like the administrator himself, but he has adapted to the times, just as 0511 must. His sabbatical from the council is set for five years, so the administrator tells him to make the most of it. 051 finds the fourth and final homunculus seated in the armory of the sanctum, with modern and historical weapons lining the walls, including swords, assault rifles, muskets, and a range of other tools of war. The homunculus is standing a distance from the walls, young-looking, perhaps in his late twenties or early thirties. 051 greets it, and guesses that they've never met before, which the entity believes is the case. It sticks its hand out, and introduces itself as Lieutenant Benjamin Kondraki, though it supposes that it's not a lieutenant anymore now that it works for the Foundation. 051 introduces himself as Django Bridge, 051, leading to some confusion from the other so he corrects himself to say, Overseer Alpha. He asks it what its position in the Foundation is, to which the entity replies that it directs the recruitment of able-bodied men into their guardsmen and clever men into their agents' corps. 051 remarks that that's an important job, and asks it if it enjoys it. It replies that it enjoys it enough, as it's skilled work and it's certainly suited for it. After a pause, it asks if it said something wrong, as he has a strange look on his face. 051 says that he's just a bit distracted, as he's meeting an old friend soon, and changes the subject to ask it how it would feel if it was being considered for a leadership position in the Foundation. It hesitates, and says that it would be quite confused, as it doesn't have any magical or paranatural abilities. 051 says that that's not going to be important soon, as they need more of the kind of people they're protecting in their ranks. An overseer's seat has opened up recently, and it is one of the candidates. The entity replies that it couldn't possibly handle that, but 051 says that he's not so sure. It's got a good head on its shoulders, smart, quick-witted, caring, sometimes to a fault, and loyal as all hell. The entity says that it appreciates that, but it doesn't know the first thing about what such a job would require. 051 asks what it was doing before joining the Foundation, which was fighting in the Union Army, and says that it must have seen awful things. 
The entity replies that it saw many of them, as its family's farm in Virginia was razed by shelling, and they were killed. 051 gives his condolences, but tells it that that doesn't excuse anything it does in their name, confusing the entity. He then brushes it aside, and asks what its desire would be for the organization's future if it were to become an overseer. It replies that that's an easy one, as its parents raised it to believe absolute power corrupts absolutely, and that having ultimate power over the fates of others leads to a rot of the soul. They're gone now because no one had the power to do what had to be done. It would like to push the Foundation in the direction of a world where they are no longer needed. To improve the world, not be beholden to it, and to save the people they have an obligation to. 051 thanks it, and departs. Shortly after, 051 delivered 0511's eulogy, whereupon he says how nice it is to see everyone gathered here, and to be honest, neither him nor Ben expected crowds at either of their funerals. They've both outlived practically everyone else they knew, with no brothers and sisters or sons and daughters left to mourn them. In Ben's case, there was another reason he didn't expect tears at his death. He could very easily stand here and lie to all of them, that 0511 was an unequivocally good man who tried to do the right thing, even if he made mistakes along the way. He was his best friend, and has an obligation to make the last memories people have of him good ones. But he's not a liar, and 0511 wasn't lucky enough to be a good man, or a bad one. Instead, he was like most dead people, infinitely complicated a Foundation man to the bone. He saw him step away from his beloved granddaughter's birthday party to order the termination of an entire department. They pushed for the Foundation to drop old-world biases against women and minorities, while 0511 consolidated power in his own office. He encouraged the Administrator to intervene in the Great War to save lives, but was also more than happy to sacrifice entire units to deny GRUP or Pentagram control of anomalies during the Cold War. Infinitely complicated, no matter how much they'd like to pretend they're not. Many people here will only remember him at the end of his life, a paranoid authoritarian trying fruitlessly to bring back the good old days he so desperately craved, supporting ethical atrocities like London Bridge, and causing the loss of one of their greatest assets, a money rom. 051 doesn't blame anyone for judging him as they did based on the things he had done, but in the same lifetime and often in the same day, he was an ardent pusher for change in the Foundation, to support their people from all walks of life, to make them a force for good in a cruel, uncaring world. Like all of them, Ben was the sum of his experiences, born in a different century's war and spending his entire life trying to apply what he learned to peacetime. Some people will say he was a monster, but just as many will say he was a hero. The only thing 051 can say for sure, though, is that his friend is dead.
we're given another excerpt from O511's autopsy report, showing that at the time of his death, blood samples indicated a number of substances which are rarely encountered together outside of their role as active ingredients in foundation nestic drugs, designed to help an individual remember things. The levels encountered were significantly higher than what would constitute a lethal dose. Lastly, we're given a log showing 051 sitting in 0511's study in his living quarters. The room lacks any kind of digital or electronic equipment, and is richly decorated with mahogany paneling, oil portraits, and expensive ephemera. With a nod, he dismisses the remaining Alpha-1 security personnel, leaving himself alone, surrounded by portraits and photographs of the late overseer, many of them containing his own face as well. He does not appear aware that he is being recorded and a few minutes pass as he walks around the study, examining the framed documents on the walls. He then walks over to the well-worn leather chair behind the mahogany desk, taking a seat and leaning his elbows on the desk. He places his head in his hands and begins to quietly shake, entirely alone. Losing a friend, even an estranged one, is never going to be easy. While the council certainly doesn't consist of anyone that could be considered an average person, they generally still are human, and thus susceptible to emotions, whims, needs, and desires. 0511, as mentioned, wasn't exactly a good person, but he did do some good things, as well as some bad things, for reasons he believed were good. 051 almost certainly isn't a great person either, but the council has an extremely difficult and important task, and I doubt that anyone could do the job as required while maintaining objective goodness. In the end, 051 and 0511 were two individuals that could relate to one another. Maybe not on everything, but enough to make them friends. And when you're older than everyone else you know, outliving any family, and working for a secretive organization, friends are a rare luxury indeed. <laughs>